0: Pasha Shazria begins with some of the halachas about a woman who gives birth. Primary halachas have to do with Karbanos. The Torah says, Israel, Sazria, Shivas titma." So the primary halachas have to do with Tuma and tara and so on. The Torah introduces this discussion with a curious phrase. It says, "Ishaki Sazria. Parshish Tazria is named after, is named for the word Tazriya. A woman, when she is Mazriya, and she has a male child, then one set of halacha supply, a female child, different set of halacha supply. The word Tazriya is a very odd word. Rashbam, some of the mafarshim say it means when she conceives, when she becomes pregnant. The Torah has a more common word for becoming pregnant. The Torah uses the word Hara, harasa. To Rayon to mean pregnancy, tazria, is, uh, is a bit of an odd word. But nevertheless, uh, some of the mafarshim, the mafarshim of pshat, say that it means when she conceives, when she becomes pregnant. Chazal have a different interpretation. In a passage in Nida, brought by the Rishon, in Maseches Nida, the Gemara brings a brysa, Isha Mazras Trila Yoleda Zachar, Ish Trila That the Gemara is making a drasha on the Pasuk. The, the Pasuk says, Isha Kisa Zriya Vyoldes Zachar. Tazriya does not mean conceived, Tazriya means something else. And depending on how things work between the man and the woman, if the man is Mazriya Trila, then it will not be a Zachar, it will be a Nekeva. If the woman is Mazriya Trila, if the, the zria of the woman happens first, then, v'yalda z'achar, then the child will be a z'achar. Obviously, this is drash, the, the, the simple reading of the, of the psukim, we're not coming to tell you how, to, how the sex is determined, but the, the Gemara brings this drash, a well-known drash, discussed by Ramban, Rebbeinu Bachia, and many others, that the, that the Torah is telling you, Derek Drush, a rule for how the gender of the child is determined, isha mazras t'chila yeleda z'achar, ish trila t'chila y'ledah s'nekeva. The Gemara brings other Pesukim to this effect, other sources for this. And the Gemara goes on. The Gemara says that this is actually practical advice. This is not just theoretical, interesting biological information. The Gemara goes on. The Gemara brings the Pasikan Anashim They were uh, they were men of prowess, they they were good they they were skilled and competent men and they were able to cause themselves to have many children and grandchildren, which the Gemara interprets to mean that they had many, uh, specifically they had male children, male grandchildren. How did they do that? They took advantage of this drasha, Isha Mazras, tila Yoledah Zachar, Ish Mazriya Tchila Yoledah and they used this to engineer things so that their children would be male. In the same vein, Rav Katina says, Yicholani Lassos Kolban Eizharim, I, if I wanted to, apparently he didn't want to, but if he wanted to, he could have made all his children be Zacharim by taking advantage of the techniques being described here. Amar Rava, Rava again says, anyone who wants all his children to be Zacharim should be Yival V'Yishneh. There doesn't seem to be any discussion here of people who want all their children to be Nekevas, but the Zachar seems to be more common. But the, this is the Gemara. The Gemara says, based in part on this Pasuk, that depending on, the, on the, the act of procreation between the man and the woman, if the ish is trila Tchila, Yoledas Zachar, Isha Mazras trila Yoledas Nekeva. What does it mean, Isha Mazras Trila? What does it mean, ish What does it mean, Isha Mazras trila? There is a great deal of discussion and debate about this in the Rishonim and later commentaries. I, am, I have been, and I intend to avoid being overly explicit about some of these explanations. There are children present, in any event, it is not really clear what, uh, what these terms mean. It's hard to relate Isha Mazraz to any kind of uh, modern, modern understanding of procreation, and certainly not one that's correct in terms of gender determination. Well, in any event, the, the, the Gemara does seem to be describing techniques for, that will affect the gender of the child. It's not clear what they are. It's tempting, of course, to say that Isha Masras refers to ovulation, but it's uh, not entirely clear what this would mean. How, how does the, the man Mazria before ovulation as opposed to after ovulation, how does that affect the gender? People have, some, uh, people have tried hard to come up with theories. It doesn't really fit the Gemara. The Gemara talks about the, the, Gemara, the continuation of the Gemara. Again, I'm not going to translate everything, but the continuation of the Gemara doesn't seem to indicate that Isha Mazras refers to ovulation. It's a difficult Gemara, so it's difficult to understand in practice what the Gemara is describing, but the, the takeaway, the one I want to focus on tonight, is that the Gemara does seem to fail that humans, that husband and wife, have the capacity to affect, to determine the gender of their child. Furthermore, the Gemara seems to have no particular moral opinion about it, the Gemara just presents it as advice, as biological information, as advice if you want to do, do this and this I was about to say do XYZ, that would be kind of a terrible pun at least the X and the Y part of it but the, in any event the, the Gemara is discussing gender determination, the Gemara feels that it is possible and the Gemara seems to feel that there is no particular uh, no particular moral opprobrium attached to doing so There are there. There is another gemara. There is another gemara as well that we should note that also discusses the also discusses how gender is determined. There is a gemara in Shvuos. The gemara discusses there. The gemara focuses not so much on practical biological advice. There, the gemara seems to indicate that having banim Zharim, having male children, which is taken for granted, is an advantage as opposed to female children. Having male children is a reward for certain types of meritorious conduct. These are also actually learned from. Uh, they're they're also drusha based on our parsha. The Metzach Shvuot, Ruchia Barabam, Rabbi Yochanan says, if someone is careful about the laws of vestos, about the laws of nida, he will merit having banim zicharim. What if he'd rather have banim the Kavos? I'm not sure, but again, but but if he if he's careful about some of the laws of nida, or vestos, he will have banim zicharim. What is the? He'll, he'll, because in the end of last week's parsha, it says that the person is careful about the laws of Tumantara, and Tara, which in this context means the laws of Nida, he'll merit having male children. Rabbi Shubin Levi says, he won't just get male children, he'll have those who are able to rule in Halacha. Again, the end of last week's, it says that in last week's parasha it talks about having being Mavdil, being Mora, which means making halachic distinctions, and again, he's careful about careful about nida. He'll have he'll merit these types of children. Another uh, another statement in the Gemara there. Anyone who is meticulous and recites Abdullah on wine on Motzei Shabbos again, not necessarily wine as opposed to grape juice, but you know, wine as opposed to not doing Avdallah at all or relying on fila. He'll merit again having uh, male children. Bonim zecharim. Dhsiv Lahavdil. The part the, the part in last week's parsha says Lahavdil Baina Kodesh Bay Nachhol. And Lahavdil benatame ben tar, and then it says, Vishaki sazriyah. When it comes to Havdullah, Havdullah is described as being Mafdil ben Kodesh Lachhol. And the same word Lahavdil appears at the end of last week's Parsha, Bain tar, Benatar, Basamaqla Ishaki sazriya. And again, another reward is Banim Ruim lahora again, Dh'siv La Havdil so the Gemara brings these various, uh, these various rewards for various types of conduct that a person will have male children. We're going to focus, though, on the Gemara Nida, the idea that a person, not just as reward, as har for good behavior, we're going to focus on the implication of the Gemara Nida that it is at least theoretically possible for a couple to determine the gender of their child, and there is apparently nothing wrong with it. This inference that there's nothing wrong with it is, is made by Rabbi Bleich, Rabbi J. David Bleich, discussing the question of the halacha of gender determination. So Rabbi Bleich notes that the Gemara itself offers advice, so clearly there's nothing wrong with it. Whether, whether the advice is practical, whether it will work, according to what we understand, the modern science is beside the point right now, but the Gemara clearly indicates, taken at face value, that it is legitimate to take uh, active measures to manipulate the gender of your child. And therefore, Rabbi Bleich concludes the primary halachic concern is not with regard to the decision to engage in sex preselection, but with the method to be employed in defending in, in affecting sex determination. So that's what I want to focus on tonight: this question of does the Torah, does halacha, have any particular opinion on active measures to determine, to predetermine the sex, the gender of a child? I'm using sex and gender a little bit interchangeably. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not so, so expert in, uh, in, in the subtle ways in which these terms are used uh, differently today. But uh, mo- m- much of this discussion is, uh, takes place before some of the modern, finer gradations. So we'll just use the terms loosely. I'll, I'll be using the term sex and gender to refer to male versus female. And we will avoid the, the complications that uh, modern science and society uh, adds to this discussion. So, there are, in general, four major ways that, a, that people will use to try to determine, using modern science, modern uh, ways that work in the modern world, ways we know how to do in the modern world, there are primarily four methods used for determining the gender of one's children. List them in order of least to greatest uh, scientific sophistication, technological sophistication, and expense, and also in, uh, in least, least to greatest moral acceptability. The first and simplest method, of course, is to have the children and kill them if they are not the gender that you like. Infanticide, this is pretty much universally disapproved of in the modern world. Halacha certainly considers that murder, not to put too fine a point on it. And this is uh, pretty much universally considered immoral. Obviously, there are some people who do it, so they must not feel it's completely immoral, but that is, that is certainly the easiest method. Doesn't require any uh, any particular equipment. it doesn't require any great expense. Obviously, it's uh, morally deeply problematic, and it's uh, emotionally presumably very problematic for the people involved. But that is the simplest method. Although obviously, it is not acceptable to uh, most of the world. Second method, variation of the first, is that a woman becomes pregnant. She determines the gender of her fetus by ultrasound or similar methods. She then aborts the fetus if it is not the gender that she wants. This requires a little bit more in the way of technological sophistication. You have to have an ultrasound. You have to have methods for abortion. But these are widely available. The expense is not that high. And this is is certainly morally less problematic than the first, although still, of course, uh somewhat morally problematic. Certainly from the Torah perspective, this would not be acceptable. Whether this is acceptable to the rest of the world is a fascinating question. The, the, much of the world looks askance at this. They, they think it involves gender discrimination. They think it's uh, going to cause imbalances in society. I've always thought there was a certain uh, tremendous hypocrisy about this. The, for much of the Western world, abortion on demand is a sacred right. Nobody has the right to tell a woman what to do hands off my body, the, the patriarchy has no business telling women what to do, unless unless it's for the, the holy concern of gender discrimination, then we can tell women what to do with their bodies. To be fair, some of the, some of the strong pro-choice organizations have opposed such laws as well. NARAL has uh, opposed such legislation on the grounds that it interferes with a woman's right to choose. In any event, this is the second method, acceptable to some of the world, not acceptable to much of the world, certainly prohibited, generally prohibited in halacha. Third method, and these, the last two methods are the ones we're going to be focusing on tonight, the third method involves sorting the sperm. That uh, sperm is produced. There are methods using centrifuges and other methods to sort the sperm into, uh, into ones that will create male embryos, ones that will create female embryos. You sort the sperm, and then you use the desired sperm, male or female, to produce an embryo of the desired gender. This requires a fair amount of technology. You need, you need to be able... Obviously, you need... This is relatively recent technology, and you have to, be, you have, to have appropriate uh, sperm sorting methods, not uh, trivial for microscopic sperm. But it's doable. It's not... They, they don't sort it with perfect accuracy, but they have methods that are quite reliable. It can be upward of 90%. And the, the problem with this, of course, is that in addition to sorting the sperm... This doesn't help you to conceive naturally. If you're doing this, you have to be prepared to use some kind of assisted reproductive technology, either IUI, artificial insemination, or intrauterine insemination, or IVF, in vitro fertilization, test tube babies, laboratory uh, do conception in the laboratory. And certainly the latter method requires a fair amount of technolo- technological sophistication and expense. Fourth method, the most uh, probably the most scientifically sophisticated. Is, is uses PGD, pre, uh, pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, where you do IVF, you create an embryo in a test tube in a laboratory, you create one or more embryos, you then biopsy the embryos, you take out blastomeres, you take out individual cells you examine the cells, you can do that if done correctly without destroying the embryos, you examine the cells, you see if they're male or female, you label all your little embryos with male or female, and then you implant the ones using IVF that you desire. That is, uh, that's also a very reliable method, except, of course, that it requires a fair amount of technology and a fair amount of expense. The question that, we'll, that we're going to be focusing on in the remainder of this year is these latter two methods, sperm sorting and PGD with IVF, are these acceptable methods to design your own baby, to design the gender, to choose a gender, to choose other attributes of the, of the embryo. We're not going to focus as much on other types of design. We're going to focus primarily on choosing a gender, although we'll touch on some of the other reasons why people might choose to design their, to design their babies. Now... It is widely accepted as ethical in the Western world, and it is similarly widely accepted in the halachic world as well, that these techniques, PGD in particular, is acceptable to avoid disease. If people are carriers of serious diseases terrible diseases, then doing IVF and testing embryos to avoid creating a child that will suffer from some horrific disease, this is widely acceptable as being okay, as being a legitimate reason to do IVF, to do PGD. And that is something that is not particularly controversial in the Western world. Again, outside maybe Catholic thought, who doesn't like IVF to begin with. But in the mainstream Western world, this is not very problematic. And similarly, in the world of terror, using these techniques to avoid uh, horrific diseases is not particularly problematic. The controversy, the, what we'll be focusing on tonight, is the question of using such techniques to simply choose a gender, something which is not a matter of life and death generally. It's just a question of you would prefer to have uh, one or the other, and for other reasons, and certainly you can start doing PGD to get uh, blonde, blue-eyed Olympic athletes, geniuses, and so on. We're not going to be focusing on those questions in any detail. We're going to focus, again, primarily on the question of gender. Is it legitimate to use these techniques to choose the gender of your child? So, in, among the post who discuss such things, obviously this is relatively recent literature, the last several decades, but among the post who discuss such questions, they really talk about two questions. One of them is, if you weren't planning on doing IVF in the first place, if you are able to conceive naturally, you're able to have normal your children using the traditional methods, but you want to engage in methods involving IUI and IVF, for the purpose of doing PGD and sperm sorting and so on, for the purpose of choosing your baby. So is, is the IVF itself acceptable in, in, in the service of such a goal? Halacha does generally allow IVF. We are not Catholics. Halacha in general is, tolerates the use of assisted reproductive techniques, including IVF. Many post are unhappy with them. post are ambivalent about them. But by and large, there is a very strong consensus that does allow, does condone, even encourage the use of such techniques for people who otherwise could not have children, could not conceive. There are entire organizations out there that, 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 are, that have been established for the purpose of providing guidance, halachic guidance, practical guidance, Machan Pua in Israel. The, the Nishmat provides all kinds of advice about this. A time in the U.S., there are entire organizations that are designed to help Jewish people Orthodox people perform IVF and so on. So the, po- the postcom in general, it's not universal, but postgame in general do allow IVF in principle for people who can't conceive otherwise. The question is, the question we have to discuss, which is one of the two questions, one of the two main questions postgame discusses about gender selection is someone who can conceive, is able to conceive, but is unhappy with uh, he already has five, six, seven, eight boys or girls and wants one of the other gender or for some other reason... Is he allowed to do IVF just for this purpose? Is this a legitimate reason to allow IVF? That's one question. The second question is, forget IVF. Let's say you're doing it anyway. Let's say you have a couple who can't conceive normally. Anyway, he's going to be doing IVF. So once, once, uh, once they're doing IVF anyway, is there anything wrong with additionally testing some of the embryos to see which ones are male and female and choosing those? Is there anything wrong with gender determination per se? So these are the two branches of the question discussed by the postkim. Number one, given that IVF is not an entirely uncontroversial practice, so is the, is the desire to choose a gender, is that a sufficient reason to do IVF? And B, assume, assuming that's not the issue, assuming you've resolved that issue, is gender determination per se something that is acceptable to the terror to do something like that through, the, through IVF, through PGD? So these questions have been discussed by a number of Poskin and Jewish ethicists of the last, again, several decades. This is relatively recent technology, and we have a, we have a variety of perspectives on the question from the Poskin. If you read the, you know, the, the general guidance put out by people like Machon Pua and so on, they will generally tell you that the halacha frowns upon doing IVF for the purposes of choosing gender, for a variety of reasons we'll discuss, but we're going to explore in more detail what exactly the posthum have said about using these techniques for these purposes. We'll see in, in more detail now what the issues actually are. Rabbi Avram Sofer Abraham, author of the Nishmas Avram, one of the great uh, medical ethicists, halachic ethicists of our generation, he talks about this in his Nishmas Avram. He talks about the procedure of sperm sorting. He says, today we have a technique that we can sort the sperm into male and female sperm, and we have a good chance—not certain, it's not perfect. We have a good chance of uh, of guaranteeing, or of good chance of of getting the, the the gender of the embryo that we want. So the way he considers the question is: you have a couple who have already have a number of girls; they want a son. So can they use these techniques to determine which uh, to determine the gender of their next child? Rabbi Abraham's starting point is that IVF itself involves certain halachic compromises. He says, so in general, can have allowed it for the, for, the, for the great, for the tremendous need to help couples who can't otherwise have children, have children. But this is not quite the same thing. They have children. They can conceive. Maybe it should be here. Then he quotes from Sholma Zalman, however, he says, that no, that we would allow IVF, he says, that not just for the mitzvah of Priyav he says, but uh, even for a couple who just is suffering emotionally, a woman who wants more children, that itself might be a good enough reason to allow IVF. Rav Shlomo argues that there is no real technical, there is no real halachic problem with IVF. We don't encourage it for frivolous reasons, but technically, there's no Aveira involved. He says, and uh, there would there would be some basis. He said there would be some basis. Rabbi Abraham says, based on Rav Shlomo there would be some basis at least to allow to allow doing IVF with IVF with with sperm sorting or something like that. IUI or IVF with sperm sorting to uh, get the gender that you want, he says. Certainly, if the couple's doing IVF anyway, he says, and, and they just want to determine the gender, he says, so that should be fine. You're doing IVF to, regardless, he says. So what should the problem be? So he says that the. So Rosh Hashanah was not convinced. Rosh Hashanah says, without explaining very much, he says, Choshevani Shagamzel, Low rotzri lahatir. Rosh Hashanah is not excited about this, not excited about, about uh, allowing parents to uh, determine the gender of their babies. Doesn't really explain why. Then Rabbi Abraham comes up with an interesting hashgachic uh, philosophical reason against it. He says, he brings a Gemara in Brachas. In such cases, maybe we should say, Bade Kafshe D'Rachmana Lamalach. Rosh Hashanah said, yeah, I think uh, I agree with that. That's a good concern. What does that mean? What is Bade kavshe D'Rachmana Lamalach? The Gemara, in the Gemara says that King Hizkiah, the, 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 the Bible, and Sefer Malachim relates that King Hizkiah became gravely ill and he was going to die. And the Navi told him, Yeshia told him, that put your affairs in order, you're going to die. And Hizkiah prayed and, and, and he asked God for another chance and, and Hashem sent Yeshia back and said he's going to get more years. Hashem will grant him another 15 years. So what did Chizkiah do wrong? Why was he going to die? So the Talmud says uh, the Madrashic approach is Chizkiah had refused to have children. He refused to fulfill the biblical commandment of be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because he saw Benavua, he knew that he would have a, a son who was a terrible Rasha, which indeed he did, Menasha, one, one of the great Rashaim of the Malcha Yehuda. Therefore he tried to outsmart God by saying, I'm not going to have children. And God said he was going to die for that. And the reason is, don't interfere with the way God runs the world. You do yours. Stop making decisions based on prophecy and supernatural, uh, supernatural considerations. Your job is to do what God told you to do and stop trying to, uh, stop trying to outsmart and out-engineer God. Says Rabbi Abraham, says Rabbi Sholmazalman, that this is a concern with PGD for, for the purpose of gender determination. I don't really understand the argument. The criticism of Hiskia was because he was violating a mitzvah, he was refusing to fulfill the mitzvah pro revu. I don't know how you can apply that to uh, using PGD where no Esurim are involved, but nevertheless, both Rosh and Zalman and Rabbi Abraham, his, uh, his disciple, his acolyte, both of them ruled, both of them were of their opinion that this is a real concern, that playing God, so to speak, engaging in these types of uh, and these types of uh, over, uh, overly, uh, overly clever methods to, to get what you want and to not simply allow the laws of nature that God established to run their course is somehow problematic. On the other hand, he says, and Zalman did tell him that if you're dealing with diseases, if you're trying to avoid a disease, he says if you have a, a family with a concern that uh, has a certain disease and that disease is more likely to affect one gender than the other, like hemophilia, he says then you would be allowed to do uh, gender determination to try to have children of the gender that are less affected by the disease, he says. You're allowed to do sperm sorting to get female sperm in this case, he says. That would be okay. And this in general, as I've said earlier, this in general is reflective of the overall approach taken by Poskim and major Jewish thinkers, that they are very reluctant for one reason or another to allow PGD for purely elective reasons just to determine the gender of your child, but for more substantial reasons, like to avoid having children who are hemophiliacs, they are much quicker to allow... Again, the sort of Shulman Zalman and Rabbi Abraham were discussing sperm sorting. Similar concerns certainly apply, certainly apply to PGD, to biopsying embryos, biopsying embryos to choose the ones that you want. There was a seminal paper on this topic, written about uh, 15 years ago in 2007, by... Uh, the journal Tradition had a whole issue devoted to discussions of this by a number of different Jewish thinkers. One of, them, one of the papers was by Rabbi Joel Wolowelski and, and Dr. Richard Gratzi. They consulted various, various gedolim in the U.S. and Israel, and they collected various psakim that they found on the topic. They, they discussed these questions front and center. What is the Torah's attitude toward... Gender determination by these various methods, PGD or sperm sorting, and so on. One of the people they consulted was Rabbi Zilberstein, the noted posek and expert on medical halacha in Eretz Yisrael. He wrote an entire work called Teraseyaledes, a particular area of interest to him, I suppose. So they asked him. So they asked him also a question. So Dr. Gratzy asked the asked of Zilberstein, "Are you allowed to use these te- these technologies, PGD, to uh, choose embryos?" And he asked about disease, and he also asked about using PGD simply to someone who has a lot of sons and wants a daughter, or vice versa. He's a modern thinker, so he asked both versions of the question. You have too many sons and you want daughters. Too many daughters, you want a son. Both, both ways are you allowed to use PGD to, uh, to determine the gender of your child. So Rav Dolberstein said that IVF is a dubious... Uh, tenuously acceptable technique to begin with, he says. Certainly you're not mechayiftu. If someone says, I know the Torah says, pru revu, the mitzvah pru revu, we're asking this to have one son and one daughter. The person has six sons and no daughters, or vice versa. He really wants to do pru revu. So he really wants to have a l'shay mitzvah. R. says, no. The Torah doesn't ask you to do that. The Torah doesn't want you to do that. IVF is such a, uh, such a debatable process to begin with. Not even clear the child is considered your child in halacha. The father's child, he says, are all kinds of questions. Today, I think it is widely accepted it's considered the father's child, but he says it's, it's dubious and tenuous, so he says it's ridiculous. It's meguchach. he says, to say the Torah wants you to do that, the Torah expects you to do that. Certainly, he says, if you're just interested in doing God's will, then certainly do not do IVF. He's talking, again, about a couple who is... Hey, hey, capable of conceiving naturally, they just want to do IVF in order to uh, ensure the gender of a child. That is not what God wants. He says, "Certainly, if your whole interest is doing God's will, this is not what you should be doing. However, he says, "If it's not for God, if it's for yourself, he says, "If you really, really have a desire to have uh, one gender or another, he says. then he says, there is, there is some basis for leniency, he says. He says he, he can't, he can't rule it out entirely and he is, uh, he is at least somewhat uh, willing to entertain it, certainly if, if, if there are grave emotional issues, certainly if there's disease involved, but, but beyond that, he says, that there is a, uh, there is, certainly don't think that you're doing what Hashem wants, he says, that that, that is the way you're doing Ratz and Hashem, but if, the, if you're doing it for yourself, then, then, then he would say that there is some basis for, for leniency. The Rabbi Walowelski and Dr. Grazi, they bring, from Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu, a for Machon Pua, he, he was asked, again, he was asked about cases where a couple has a bunch of children with, uh, of one gender, they want children of the other gender, so he discusses these various cases, so again, certainly the rabbinim are willing to allow it to avoid certain diseases, but if it's just a question of choosing a gender, so in the Chuvas Mara HaBazak, the is there, they write, that some posts can forbid it outright. Some posts can say that to perform IVF and PGD just to choose gender, some posts can say it's user. And some say it's mutter in particularly exigent circumstances like this one. They say that Rabbi Liao in uh, apparently in oral uh, communication, Reveliao said that in, in the following two specific circumstances, a couple has five children of one gender and they want uh, one of another gender or a woman who's, Getting older, she's 42, and she doesn't know how many more children she'll have. She can't just keep trying indefinitely. So in that case, they would allow uh, they would allow trying for a specific gender via via techniques like PGD and IVF. But in general, in general, everyone pretty much agrees that it's discouraged. Some posts can allow it when it's uh, again allow it when it's uh, when, when, when the need, the psychological need, at least the personal need, is very great. Some posts are willing to allow it, others are not, but again, when it comes to disease, posts are generally, they say also, generally willing to, willing to allow it. They also bring there, in the Chuvas Marah they bring a couple of pages on the topic for from Rabbi Dr. Nochem Eliezer Rabinowitz, so he was, uh, he was both uh, Talmud Chacham as well as a medical doctor, as well as a doctor, I'm not sure if he's a medical doctor or what his doctorate was in, but he was... Uh, He has a whole discussion about this as well. He was provided with all kinds of research. One would have to carefully see exactly when this was written and how current his information is. The papers he's quoting are mostly from 2002-2003. But he quotes all kinds of research that uh, babies, embryos created via IVF, have uh, significantly higher chances of different types of deficiencies and uh, health issues, he says. Doing IVF is a terribly fraught procedure he said we haven 't even discovered yet he says all the all the downsides all the the fraught complications of using modern methods of assisted reproductive technology. He says so doing IVF if you don 't have to just for the purpose of uh, of creating a baby of the gender you desire he says is a very dubious procedure you' uh, you're you you're doing something which has which which is which which, which has all kinds of it's fraught with all kinds of health complications for your for your child, all kinds of problems. It is highly not recommended, he says, and uh, and therefore he is uh, he is very very skeptical. He is very very skeptical of the of doing this for ju- just for just for elective reasons of choosing a gender. So he says he is uh, he is not at all impressed. He does not think this should be done. Again, the, the, the pattern that we're seeing here is are are, are are not really articulating any clear reason why gender selection should be a problem. Again, those post who are uncomfortable with IVF to begin with are obviously going to say, don't do it for the, you know, for the elective reason of choosing a gender. But more and more post today have accepted that IVF is a reasonably uncontroversial procedure. Again, we should just note that we're talking here about IVF with sperm from the husband. IVF with donor sperm is a much more, is a much more controversial procedure. Still, some posting allow it. Many, Moshe Weinstein famously allowed it in certain circumstances. But the, we're, we're, we're not getting involved in all the halachas of IVF here. We are focusing primarily on the question of gender selection. So gender selection with IVF, Posting who are unhappy with IVF are obviously going to certainly say, why do IVF for gender selection? Certainly, if you aren't doing it anyway. But again, posting who are much more comfortable with IVF and particularly in cases where you're anyway doing IVF, it's just a question of adding an extra step of PGD in order to choose the gender you want, post are not really articulating any clear, any well-defined reason why it should be a problem. Rabbi Dr. Rabinowitz is saying that there's a concern for the health of the children. Again, research, science marches on, science does new research. In general, my understanding is that the current research does not show that there are that there are such major differences between children born from IVF and those born through other methods. But that's what he was concerned about. Again, it's not an in-principle ethical halachic consideration against uh, doing gender determination. It's just he felt that his understanding of IVF, based on the research he read at the time he read it, was that IVF is a fraught procedure. Anyway, it should be avoided. It shouldn't be done solely for the, the relatively frivolous purpose, he felt, of choosing a gender. So we've seen Rav Zilberstein, Rav Shulman Zalman Orbach, Rabbi Abraham, Rabbi Rav Dr. Rabinovich, who are all skeptical about, do, about doing IVF for the purpose of gender determination. But again, much of their concern is with doing IVF where you don't need to. They have other concerns. Rav, Rav Shulman Zalman and Rav Abraham are concerned with Padei Kavshid Rachman Olamalach. But again, it's difficult to see, it's difficult to articulate what exactly that concern is. Rabbi... Wolowelski and Dr. Grazi, in their paper, they also quote from other, other uh, personal communications they received from Gidolia Poskim about these questions. They quote Ravavadi Yosef. Ravadi Yosef was asked about PGD for sex, select, sex, sex selection by a couple who had six children of, of one sex and would not have any more children unless they were sure that the seventh one would be of the opposite sex. That's a little bit like Ravavaliyao's case where the woman's getting older and may not have many more chances. So Ravadi Yosef, uh, apparently, again, I, I don't have the, the primary source of this ruling, what words he used and how he qualified it, but the way they quote him, he said that if the couple already has six and they want another one, he doesn't say how, how desperate they were for one of the other gender, but in, in, in some variation of this question, Ravadi Yosef ruled that PGD is okay in this case to, uh, to, a, to obtain a child of the other gender. The, another another writer in the tradition uh, discussion quotes a survey of Machon Pua that the Knesset was debating questions about, the Knesset in Israel was debating questions about what should the government's position be on gender selection. So apparently they did a survey of poskim. They did a survey of major poskim, major abanam in Eretz Yisrael, and they provided them with three options, and they asked them to either tell them which ones were acceptable or, or to rank them in terms, of pre, in terms of which ones were more or less preferable. So they gave three, uh, three possibilities. The first one were more uh, basic techniques, diet, uh, monitoring ovulation, timing of relations, and so on. That does not have the greatest success rate. That is a 60 to 75% success rate. I was a little surprised to hear they can do that well by, by these methods, but apparently the claim was that they could get uh, up to that degree of success by, uh, by doing this. I'm not, I'm not sure what the numbers mean here. I'm not sure whether 50% would mean flipping a coin or whether 50% mean 50% above baseline. But uh, in any event, they had some success by using these relatively low-tech methods by these, these uh, non-invasive and low-tech, relatively non-invasive and low-tech methods. Method B was sperm sorting where they put the numbers at 80-90%, method C was PGD. So they asked PostGIM, please tell us, PUA said, please uh, give us your opinions on what are the acceptability of using these methods to determine gender. So PostGIM were not, apparently not, I have not been able to find the survey in the original yet, but PostGIM, as reported in Tradition, Poskim were not, not happy, almost unanimous opposition to using PGD for non-medical purposes Rav Ariel, Rav Yaakov Ariel said no mitzvah of revu of using ART I mentioned this earlier, many Poskim have said that if a couple's only goal is to fulfill revu, there's no mitzvah to do IVF there's no mitzvah to use artificial means to, to do if it take what Hashem gives you, if it gives you a son, that's Hashem's will he gives you daughters, uh, that, that's also Hashem's will. Hashem will balance it out, Hashem will take care of the, the, the future of the species by having other people have the, the right numbers of children. To use it for prevent birth defects, that's Moter Lechatchila, but apparently he was not thrilled with doing PGD. Again, the, unfortunately the quotes here are very fragmented. I'm not sure if Rav Ariel's opposition was to doing IVF if you don't need it, but if you're doing IVF anyway, he would have had less problem with doing PGD as well, or not. Not sure what his position was. Quote, uh, similar quote from Rav Dov Liar. Rav Dov Liar said mitzvahs Torah were given in consonance with the laws of nature. No obligation that man avail himself of non-natural means. Again, no obligation is a far cry from from unethical. If a person wants to use PGD, even though he doesn't have an obligation, maybe it would be allowed. Anyway, he quotes, uh, the, the author quotes Rav Liar as saying that he allows PGD for medical reasons. He uh, he would allow it to do pru revu even if you're not mechuyev to. You don't have to, but you could do it if that's the way you want to fulfill pru revu. Or if a person has three sons, because three sons creates a chazaka, a halachic rule that we, that halachic presumption that your future children will be sons as well. And you want a daughter, he's willing to allow PGD. So not quite true that 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 the postkin survey don't allow it for elective reasons. But at least in the at least in the case where there's somewhat of a uh, significant need. Rav Liar apparently was willing to allow PGD, at least after three sons, and you want a daughter, he was, he was, willing, to allow, uh, he was willing to allow PGD. They quote uh, Rabbi Shua Neuert, uh, the author of the Shmirah Shavas Kilchasa, a great disciple of Rosh Mazalman, They quote him as saying, We do our part, and the rest is in the hands of a Baruch Hu. Again, that's a, a fine sounding principle, but it's difficult to know what that means in practice when it comes to diseases, of course, we don't say we do our part and the rest is in the hands of Akash Baruch Hu. We use every last trick that we have. The, 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 the halacha generally is very pro-technology when it comes to disease and saving human life. When it comes to real needs, we don't take the, the Christian position or the Christian science position of saying we do ours and the rest is in our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Well, maybe we do, but we do ours. Ours includes the use of all technology that God has graced us with the ability to access. So, What this is supposed to mean, PGD is also ours, so what are you supposed to do with this principle, I don't know. They quote Rav Shlomo Amar. Rav Shlomo Amar makes an interesting argument. He quotes a famous idea of the Ramban. The Ramban says, the Torah prohibits kelai. The Torah prohibits crossbreeding species. The Torah prohibits grafting, certain types of grafting. The Torah prohibits clothing, garments that have wool and linen together. Why? So the Ramban says something fascinating and somewhat difficult to understand. He talks about how it's, a, it's playing God, it's interfering in my When it comes to species, he says, for sure, God made these species, you're deciding to make your own species, you know, who are you to mess around, with, uh, mess around with God's handiwork, he says. So in general, we shouldn't be tinkering with the uh, genetic machinery, we, we, sh- we shouldn't be tinkering with the natural reproductive processes because that is considered intervening in my Again, it's hard to know. These are very, uh, these are very uh, abstract and you know, loosely reasoned arguments. No one has a problem with uh, intervening in massive when you want to avoid diseases, when you want to do, when you want to do uh, ART in the first place to help a child who can conceive. It's very, it, it is uh, very, very interventionist, but post can allow it because if you want and when there's a good reason for, to do it, they allow it. So presumably Rabbi Amar felt that there's not a good enough reason here, just because you want the gender. But invoking this notion of mass seborraceous is, uh, is debatable. Moreover, Post can have discussed this in other contexts as well. When it comes to genetic engineering in general, forget uh, not even necessarily human, not even when it comes to human reproduction, when it comes to the modern, modern techniques of, of, of genetic engineering. You want to make tomatoes that are more durable. Tomato, you want to make rice that, uh, that has more protein or more nutrition, whatever it is. Genetic engineering, we do it all the time with, with crops. We do it, uh, we do it uh, you know, the, the sensational and dramatic cases are the ones that make the news, but it, it, it's part and parcel of modern, modern food production. We, we genetically engineer all kinds of stuff. So today we do it using high technology, using laboratories. People have always done genetic engineering. They used to do it by crossbreeding seeds and so on. Now we do it by, uh, in laboratories with, uh, with, with, with all kinds of technology. So there are actually those who have, or Abraham, there are those who have raised the Ramban as an objection, that an objection to genetic engineering, even if the formal prohibitions of Kalaim are not being violated, there are indeed some who have argued, based on this Ramban, that this is called in- interfering, with, intervening in Masib Aratius. this is against the spirit of the law of Kalaim, people have no business uh, tinkering with uh, the system that God set up to run the world. On the other hand, other scholars have pointed out not everyone agrees to the Ramban. There's, uh, there's a comment, I believe, of the Maral. The Maral disagrees with the Ramban. The Ramban says, God put us in the world, love Jolashamra, God put us in the world to improve on his handiwork. There's a, there's a famous Gemara. The Gemara says that one of the Chacham of the Talmud was once asked, what's better, bread or, uh, or wheat? And the implication was the, 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 the antagonist meant to say, that, I'm sorry. The, the original question was: that If God, uh, if, if God, if God doesn't want, to, if God wants a person circumcised, why did He make them uncircumcised? You know, can, circumcising people. You think you can improve on the human form? The human form is godly. You know, the, what kind of business is this that you you think you have a mitzvah to do bris milah? So the answer was: What's better, bread or wheat? Surely you agree that bread is better. God made wheat. Should we try to stick to wheat, natural food? Today there is a whole movement of whole foods and raw foods and whatnot, but uh, traditionally it was felt that bread was better. So you see that God put us in the world to improve on his designs. He gave us, he gave us certain raw materials, he gave us intelligence, he gave us the ability to devise technology and to, uh, and, and to improve on the, things, the, the raw ingredients he put into the world. It says the morale of similar, that that, that that can't be the reason for kilayim, that, the, that Hashem wants us to improve on his handiwork. There's nothing wrong in principle with trying to improve on the world that God gave us. And, and, and Postkin have applied this to, to cloning. Rabbi Black talks about this to cloning and to genetic engineering. Just because it's tampering with the natural order of things, well, so what? That God gave us the capability and encourages us to do what we can to use the, the brains that he gave us. And similarly, one could certainly argue that when it comes to PGD, that maybe we're just using the... The brains that God gave us to develop technology and use it. Nevertheless, Rav Amar takes—he's uh, not alone in this. He takes the, the conservative position that the he takes the conservative position that too much tampering for an insufficiently strong reason is not a good idea. They quote Rav Nebensal in this article the, the, in the Pua survey, who also he ranked the three uh, the three solutions. He says the first one, diet and ovulation monitoring and so on, timing. That's the best, he says, for technical halakhic reasons. The other two are less good. The second is preferable to the third. Sperm sorting is preferable to PGD. I am not actually sure why. I'm curious as to why he thinks sperm sorting is better than PGD. But in general, this is pretty much the, the range of attitudes of the post that I've seen. Pretty, pretty much almost any, uh, almost any halakhic authority will not say... You want a male child? Sure, go for it. Do PGD, do sperm sorting. You want a blonde or blue-eyed child? You want a child who's tall or short or has a straight nose? Then go ahead, muck around with the genes. That is pretty much something that uh, Halacha does not like very much, although, again, it's difficult to articulate a compelling reason as to exactly why. Doing IVF when it's not necessary in order to enable techniques like sperm sorting and PGD is problematic because IVF you know, it, it does, have, does entail certain compromises. How great those compromises are and whether, they, whether, they, whether that there's really a compelling argument against doing IVF for these purposes is debatable, but the consensus view, I think, is, takes the conservative position that someone who is capable of having children without uh, ART techniques Really should do that, even if they would prefer to uh, to tinker with, uh, with with things like gender to avoid disease. That is generally that is generally something that's accepted. If you are doing IVF and uh, or or ART, ART IVF IUI anyway, and you just want to add uh, sperm sorting or PGD to the mix, it's really there's it, really very limited reason to uh, to object. You have these speculative arguments about kavshid Rahman, alamalach and. Uh, Massive which are which are certainly debatable, but once again, I would suspect that the overall consensus of postkin would discourage certainly for a couple who has one or two of both genders or who's not uh, desperate for one or the other. My my inclination is that my general sense from from a basic survey of the literature is that we were not generally so happy about doing do, using these techniques, even if uh, you're not doing unnecessary IVF. Although again it is striking that there is no clear, well-defined reason why. As R. Black points out, as we began, the, the, the Midrash itself, the Gemara itself, actually gives you advice for how to manipulate the, the, the gender of your child based on this parasha, not through, uh, not through invasive modern technology, through other methods, but it's, uh, it's challenging to articulate a, a, a clear and compelling and coherent reason for why manipulating gender via technology should be any more problematic than manipulating gender via the somewhat obscure methods that the Talmud is describing.
1: Rabbi, may I ask Thank you a you. question, please? Sure. Um, first, number one is HaKarata toh. Thank you again for a, um, a wonderful recitation of the halakhic issues um, and also wishing you a Chodesh to tomorrow Thank you. and the rest of the month. Thank you. Um, I wonder if you could look at this um, in a way that uh, struck me as you were um, doing your discourse. And that is, you can argue, what I would call the l'chadkhila methods and bideyevit methods. And so the l'chadkhila method was, in a sense, the gemara. Uh, in Nida, basically saying, you know, that in terms of timing of the month and certain manipulations and so forth, so that would be a l'chadkhila method. I think um, the stratification or centrifugation of sperm in terms of utilization of that to mm-hmm. enrich, right? Most um, ejaculars will have roughly 50-50, um, the, the, the notion is that the Y chromosome is lighter than the X chromosome, so who knows, it might be a little bit faster. But it, those methods are L'chadkhila methods, and the Gemara clearly sanctions L'chadkhila methods. It doesn't consider that, quote-unquote, playing God part. Whereas the BD methods are a little bit more uh, troublesome, because even if you pick out the right embryo, and the question is, what do you do with the other embryos? and so forth, you know, you can do infanticide, feticide, embryocide, and so mm-hmm. forth. Do the rabbis look at it that way? Uh, do you see any kind of approach so, that deals with what you would call a Lechadfila
0: method versus a deyavit method? So, so, so to pick up on at least one point that you're making, Dr. Dr. Schwartz is saying that we have a problem with uh, what, that we have to deal with the question of disposal of the surplus embryos. That is a very real concern. Post can grapple with that. But the point is, the, the, po- the critical point is, Normal IVF, standard IVF, you're anyway creating six, eight, ten embryos, as many as you can, typically. You, you harvest as many eggs as you can from the woman. You make as many embryos as you can. You choose the best ones. Normally, you choose the best ones, the healthiest ones, the ones that, are, that seem most normal. You implant those. And anyway, you, you keep the others for a while, and eventually you dispose of them anyway. You either, you either use all of them, if you have a use for all of them, or you dispose of them, or you donate them for research, or you do other things with them. So in, in a given IVF cycle the other embryos are anyway their fate is whatever it is is. either either going to be destroyed or they're going to be used later or they're going to be in many cases they're going to be discarded to begin with so if i have eight embryos i'm only going to implant one or two let's say the other six or seven are going to be destroyed regardless in many cases so either i choose randomly or i choose the healthiest one and i discard seven or i choose a male one and i discard seven so you, you can argue that, that that from the perspective of in many cases from the perspective of embryo disposal that it's going to be neutral. You might find some cases where a person will just do another IVF cycle to, to get more male ones and, and create more embryos. So you have to consider, I guess, what your plan is in general, what the person's plan is, whether he's going to be creating extra embryos for the purpose of doing these PGD techniques or not. In many cases, however, you know, that's not happening. The The, 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 dispose, the disposal is a, is, is a fixed, is a constant either way. But you're right. The disposing of embryos is, is, is an issue. It, it, it's not murder, but, it, but it's, it's something that we would that we would certainly discourage. It's probably some form, at least, of hashchah to destroy it for no reason. have pointed out that, uh, in general, we, we, all these things are allowed for the purpose of having a child by IVF. Nobody says you should only create one embryo rather than six, because you're going to have to throw away four. You might have to throw away four. You can reuse the four in a later cycle if, if you freeze them and they survive. But, but in general, so, so embryo disposal is a concern, but, it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't play that much of a role, I think, in, the, in establishing the halacha. From a general moral perspective, I think we'd be we'd be opposed to creating more embryos than necessary and throwing them away. But I don't think it is a major factor in halacha. First, because you, IVF anyway involves discarding embryos; you're just deciding which ones to discard. And second, because we don't consider the embryo as being a uh, as being alive. We don't consider it as being a human. We don't believe life begins at conception for most purposes. We we, we don't we don't deliberately want to be maschhizera, but the it's much less of an issue, and, and all the reasons Postkin came, came up with for avoiding concerns for Ashkas Azera would apply to discarding it as well. If it's completely superfluous, if you're going to create an extra 10 that wouldn't be created otherwise, that, that might very well be an issue of some form of Hashchah Azera. I'd have to look into it more carefully. That's why I think most of the postkim don't make such a strong distinction between Lechad and Bediyevud, because the, 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 the disposing of the embryo issue I, I don't think is going to play a huge role in the halacha.